Everyone knows a lot of things can change in the span of 10 years. When it comes to professional wrestling podcasting, one thing is still guaranteed. The Shining Wizards is the only place to get all the latest wrestling news, interviews with the greatest guests, and of course, tons of laughs in discussing the world of wrestling. The show is still available on Monday nights at 7 p.m. East on RantDMRadio.com and Rant Entertainment Media on the TuneIn app. And it's still available on all podcasting platforms. To check us out, head over to ShiningWizards.com, where it's still wrestling talk and talk about wrestling. Are you tired of prediction shows? Do you want to fantasy book the companies? Does Bigfoot even really exist? If you answered yes to any of those questions, then check out the podcast that isn't a podcast. Every Tuesday and Thursday, the standing streamer stands and delivers as he and Vanessa talk about all that's going on in pro wrestling today. Plus, see in-depth conversations with people in and around the wrestling world as guests share their stories and insights about making it in the business. The Putting You Over Podcast. Putting your weeknights over every Tuesday and Thursday. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening and good night. My name is Thomas and what's your name? Uh, I'm Alan. Alan. Oh, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. We're brothers. That's right. Yeah. yeah the that. mother, same mother and father. Your room was... Oh, we shared a room. Shared a room. For we right? shared a room. I thought I knew your face. Yeah, we so go maybe. way back, mate. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We should do a podcast then. Uh, we have. We do do a podcast. We do a podcast. What's it called? The Broadcast. Yeah, that was planned. Yeah, yeah. Well, what do we do? Well, we cover all different things in the world of pop culture. We're talking about comic books. We're talking professional wrestling, and we're talking about movies. Go back and watch classic retro wrestling events, the likes of WWE, WCW, and if you do like that, you can check us out on Apple iTunes, also on Podbean, Anchor, and on Podknife. Also, check us out on Twitter at the Broadcast. That's B R O. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. Ending. Yeah, it's alright, good on you. Yeah. Instagram also at the Broadcast Podcast. Remember, we don't spell it with a C, we spell it with a K. Slow, mate. Take it easy. Two Heels and a Face Wrestling Podcast believes wrestling is a buffet. There's something there for everyone. These guys cover local Chicago indie scene, and all of their episodes can be found at twoheelsandaface.com. The number two, heelsandaface.com. Hey everyone, my name is referee Tony S, and this is Heat, the wrestling podcast. Like you first and foremost, I'm a wrestling fan, and for nearly two decades I've maintained law and order inside the squared circle in New England and throughout the country, working with some of the best and brightest from wrestling's past, present, and future. Now, I bring my authoritative tell-it-like-it-is style to the podcast world. Join me each week as we go through all the major headlines from the global companies, independents, and in-between. And most importantly, the women will receive the coverage and headlines they truly deserve as they'll empower the second half of the show. Plus, I'll introduce you to my friends and colleagues within all forms of wrestling and entertainment, answer your questions, anything goes, no holds, well, questions barred, and throw in some fun surprises along the way. Get ready for the spark that fuels the flame. All right, welcome to another episode of the Front Row Material Brand. My name is Mike Freeland. I will soon be joined 
on the other half of the Can-Am connection. His name is Christopher Butt. Coming up on the show, we're obviously going to talk about Wrestle Dream. What a great pay-per-view that happened Sunday night up in Seattle, Washington. We're also going to be talking about the big news of Adam Copeland, formerly known as Edge, signing a contract with AEW. What does this mean? And what do the fans of WWE have to say about this? We're going to get into that. MJF says working with Adam Cole has helped him with rejection issues. Is this all storyline or is there something more to this? All of that and so much more. Right now, let me go ahead and bring him in. He is second half of Canyon Connection. A good friend from the north. His name is Christopher Butt. Chris, how you doing, man? I'm doing well, Mike. How are you, bud? I am good. It's another night where you and I get to sit down here. Uh, they often call it the Hot Stove League in uh, in baseball, where you sit around and you talk about things. And uh, we got so many things to talk about. My big question is, how shocked are you by the events that happened Sunday night at WrestleDream? As in Adam Copeland? Yeah, absolutely. The Edge uh, showing up and then obviously, you know, what the fallout has been with, uh, you know, fans around uh, the world chiming in that, you know, I'm leaving WWE was not a good thing. Uh, him coming to AEW was a bad thing. What's your take on all of this? Do you feel like it's unfair, or do you think in some ways it's kind of warranted? It's unfair. Uh, it's surprising, first off. I said he wasn't. it wasn't happening. Now, that was my prediction. I did not think it was going to happen. I was wrong. Plain and simple. I figured Edge was going to retire a WWE guy. I'm not 100% sure why he went to AEW. Honestly, uh, the rumor is that WWE had nothing for him in creative. Uh, he figures he's still got gas in the tank. He's feeling good. Uh, so he's going to pursue other options. And it gives him a chance to get back with Christian as well. I'm sure that's got a lot to do with it because they're pretty tight. They were, they were best of friends. I'm sure that's got a lot to do with it. The backlash, that's sour grapes. Do you think in some ways... I mean, I, the... I, didn't, I don't see the reason for people to be upset. No, and, and I, I agree with you. Do, do you think in some ways this is relatable to when Cody went to WWE where a lot of people were saying why would he turn his back on AEW you know he helped form the company and then he went to WWE and he told his reasons on social media as to why do you feel like people are in that same boat with Edge meaning how could you leave us how could you do this you know we had this big send-off for you and now it's just nothing yeah well that's Basically what happened, WWE gave him his big moment in Toronto. I'm not content with that, I guess, is his feeling on it. He still wants to do more. He, In all reality, he sh I think he probably should have stayed loyal to WWE. WWE made him and made him very successful and made him a very well-off man. And he's no spring chicken, so why not just right off into the sunset? He had his moment because he could never recreate that in AEW. The only kind of real send-off they can have is him and Christian having another tag match together, uh, or they have a blow-off feud between the two of them, and that's, you know, he finally beats his best friend, and that's how he fades off into the sunset. But I'll tell you, that's just not really much to do for him for a, for a big moment, for a send-off. Well, I, I mean, we think about this, for example. And I, and I want to try to use sports references here, but a lot of people will say, you know, Tom Brady, he hurt his legacy by going to the Buccaneers, or Michael Jordan hurt his legacy by coming out of retirement and going to the Washington Wizards. People are going to have their feelings. Brett Favre, he could have retired a Green Bay Packer for life. 
He didn't. Aaron Rodgers could have stayed a Green Bay Packer for life. He didn't. And I think there's a few things that I think we should keep in mind when we talk about maybe the reasons why Adam Copeland did what he did. He felt like he still had something to give, and so did Brady, and so did Brett Favre, and so did Aaron Rodgers, and so did Michael Jordan. So who are we to behoove you know, someone for not going out on our terms? We don't. I don't think we should necessarily jump the gun with something like that. I think, look, when we talk about legacies of people, it's the fans who worry about the legacy of someone more so than the actual individual. So this actually came from his Twitter account, and I'm sure many of you have already read this, but I want to read this to you. It says, As many of you know by now, I'm no longer with WWE. My new home is AEW. I'm excited. A whole new roster, some familiar faces that I've wanted to work with, and some that I've never had matches with before. It's new challenges. If you've ever followed my career, you know that I am driven. And also, I want to address my 25 years with WWE. I love the WWE and appreciate everything the company did for me. Have always and always will. They put me on the map. They gave me amazing opportunities. And through hard work on both ends, I was able to have a wonderful career. But I don't believe in this old mentality that one company or the other you should pick. It's weird. And sometimes people will take offense to that. We'll take a walk, get some fresh air, soak up some sunshine. It's wrestling. It's an amazing gig. But still... It's just wrestling, so relax. Um, I guess what I'm trying to say is I've been approached and appreciated for the work that I've done before. It doesn't matter what the initials are for the company. I'm still going to be busting my ass wherever I go. Um, He also alluded to the fact that sometimes, much like relationships and couples, people just kind of grow apart. And he felt like he and WWE just grew apart and they weren't a good fit for each other anymore. Therefore, he wanted to try something new. So at the end of the day, if he wants to go out there and have one more run with a bunch of people he never got to work with before, I could see that being a bucket list thing. Absolutely. And I just don't I don't want people to see AEW as a stepping stone. Like, oh, well, we went to AEW, but just to get to WWE. And I feel like that's what Tony Khan is trying to cultivate, is a culture where this is a destination place as well. Uh, Keep in mind, Butster, there's a lot of people who ask for their release from WWE, a lot more than we actually end up hearing about through the news sources. So there's definitely not exactly, you know, the happiest place on earth when you work there as well. Um, You thought that he should be loyal to WWE. But now that we're off from that, that topic, that talking point, do you think he has some great things to bring to AEW? Oh, sure. It is a very good wrestler, Adam Copeland, now. He's amazing. There's no two ways about that. Um, it brings us some great veteran leadership. Uh, maybe he can rein in the knuckleheads in the locker room a little bit. Uh, he can still put off great matches. There's no doubt about that. He's a little bit older, so I don't know if I'd push him to the moon. But you're going to make him significant. Just don't bury the kids. Um, no, he, he's definitely going to help. There's no doubt about that. He's going to give you an instant ratings pop. If he's a, Most likely he's going to be on tomorrow night, Wednesday night. We record on Tuesday. Most likely he's going to be on Dynamite tomorrow night. And I'm willing to bet ratings are going to be a mil. Uh, I'm fairly confident in saying that. Now, is this going to be a prolonged thing? He's going to be the one to, to put him up 
to the hump to get him to a mill? I don't know. Only time will tell. We'll, we'll just have to wait that out. But he'll he'll definitely contribute. There's, there's no two ways about that. Uh, just it'd be interesting to see what direction they go with him. Where did it see? Is it going to be a matter of? Well, it looks like it's going to be him and Christian at some point. That's kind of the feeling you get right off the get go. And have I don't know? Have they ever had a feud? Did they have a feud in WWE? That's a great question. I'm not 100% sure if they've ever clashed with one another. I'm, I think they have. Part of me says they have. But I'll, I'll definitely check yeah. the records here, the books, and, and find out if they did. When was it? Um, but but let, let me also throw so, this out I, to you. Then, let me throw this out to you. So, obviously, you know, Adam wants to contribute to AEW. He definitely still has what he believes is gas in the tank. Had a great match with Sheamus in his last match. So it shows that he can still perform. But I think even more so than than being an in-ring performer, I think Tony Khan is trying to distance himself away from the CM Punk situation. Remember, Punk was brought in not only to be the leader of a show, but he was also brought in to be maybe a leader for the younger talent as well. And yeah, somebody who's been a name in the business and who can pop a rating and maybe help sustain that as more people get experience. That obviously didn't work out. Uh, personality clashes, uh, varying viewpoints on what should be done as far as wrestling is concerned. Now you move on to somebody like Edge. And Edge, I think, definitely fills the boots of CM Punk. Some people say Edge is not as big as CM Punk. I would disagree, and I would say Adam Copeland, the full body of work is way bigger than anything Phil Brooks has done. Do you think Edge is bigger than CM Punk, or do you think that CM Punk, between the two, was still the bigger name? CM Punk's the bigger name. Um, I think Edge probably has a better body of work, but CM Punk has just got that cult following. He's just got that, that thing to him. I mean, he could come out of retirement in 25 years and still draw a big crowd. It's, there's just something about him. People want to get behind him significantly. Now, I'm not saying nobody gets behind Edge. I mean, Edge is huge. He's a big deal, especially up here. He's a huge deal up here, right? So he'll definitely help when it comes to that. And if they keep him on the roster, you got to think the, the numbers up here haven't been great for attendance. Uh, if you come up here and now you got Edge on your card, it's going to help just for name value alone. So I, I would think Edge has a better body of work. He's a better wrestler. I think more entertaining wrestler. And that's just the way it is with him. Yeah, no, I think you're right. I think the one thing that CM Punk has that very few wrestlers have is that that cult-like following. No matter where he goes, no matter what he does, whether he's dead wrong in his stances, he is so he speaks with so much conviction that his followers will just follow him to the edge of earth. And, you know, no matter what happens, they're there with him, which I think it's really cool to have a, a following like that. But I think at the end of the day, the differences in CM Punk and Adam Copeland, as far as a signing is concerned, is maturity. You have way more maturity with an Adam Copeland. And I feel like you have this, the person who can actually have people listen to what he has to say, take his advice. Because remember, at the press conference, the media scrum, 
you know, he basically said that he has higher aspirations even after he's done wrestling to be a coach, to work with the talent, to be a part of this company moving forward. So I don't see Edge just being in AEW for a, a run as a wrestler. I think he's going to stick around in the company. And I think that's ultimately what they're trying to do. They're trying to mix the old and the new, but use the more veteran superstars uh, as role models and to be people that can share their advice. Now, we've seen that that doesn't always happen in AEW. Jake the Snake Roberts has proven that a lot of people aren't choosing to listen to him. People weren't willing to listen to Tully Blanchard, weren't really listening to, to Arn Anderson. Um, and I think that can get frustrating for some stars who say, look, man, I've been there. I've done that. Why are you not listening to the advice I'm giving you? I wonder if it's because the age gap between what those guys did and then the, the they grew up watching CM Punk. They grew up watching Edge. So I wonder if that's going to have a stronger connection. Do you think there's any merit in that? Oh, for sure. I can see that. I mean, there are a lot of those guys that are there now. You got to think like MJF. What's he, 24, 25? Correct. Yep. Something like that. So there's no doubt he grew up watching Adam Copeland. Right? Same thing with like your Jungle Boy, even your Hangman Page. I believe he's about 30 or so, but I mean, he would have been, you know, a young guy when Edge and Christian were huge, when they had their tag team going with the TLC and the Brood and, you know, or when Edge went off on his own. So it, they definitely would have been exposed. Don't forget, Edge was a, like a superstar. And I don't mean like as in a WWE terminology superstar. He was a superstar. He still is. I should rephrase what I'm saying here. He he's still a superstar, but he was a big deal. He was over. Oh yeah, he was everywhere you looked. He was main event and everything. He was your champion. He was putting off great matches. So let's not forget that he missed a fair bit of time because of his neck. But let's not sleep on what he did. So yeah, the younger talent definitely watched him growing up. There's no way they didn't. And so you would you would hope that they will listen. My concern is the AEW locker rooms got a bit of a a hearing issue. They, they they don't hear much outside of their own mouth. Unfortunately, I would I would agree. So we'll have to wait and see what comes of that. But if if you're gonna listen to somebody, you would think you would listen to him. But then again, I figured they'd listen to somebody like Aaron Anderson. Right. You think and, you know four horsemen, WWE Hall of Fame, great career, everything you want, legend. So I don't know. We'll wait and see. Right. I'm I'm lukewarm to if the locker room will receive him as their leader. We'll see. I hope they do, and I hope I'm really wrong, but we'll see. Okay, so let me ask you this question. Um, AEW in general, and we've talked about this before on, on prior shows. You know, you got your John Moxley's, you got your Brian Danielson's, you got your Kenny Omega's, you got the Young Bucks, Hangman Adam Page. You have a lot of great talent. FTR is really great as well. And now you start bringing in people from New Japan, like the Aussie Open, and you bring in Will Ospreay, obviously, who is from New Japan, but also Rev Pro. And you've got all this this talent that has been accumulated over uh, the course of the last, I would say, year and a half 
for some of the, the newer additions here. So you have a vast talent pool. I mean, there's a lot. And, and there's more people I'm leaving off this as well. My point, though, is, is that they have such great talent. And you can say what you want about Dynamites. And you can say what you want about Rampage. And you can say what you want about Collision. But I don't think there's a single wrestling fan who can say that AEW has ever dropped pay-per-view. And I just feel it's weird. It's like you watch the weekly show and you're like, oh, well, they're getting 700 to 900,000. You know, I don't know if this is going to be that interesting. And sometimes the buildup is not that great on their part from creative. But damn, when the pay-per-view comes and the bell rings, AEW, in my opinion, has had amazing pay-per-views. Um, would you agree with that? It's kind of weird. It's like the weekly shows don't really show it all the time, but yet the pay-per-views are like, what the hell happened? I couldn't say it better. Uh, yeah, their, their pay-per-views are fantastic. You know, I mean, have they had really, and I'm not trying to be a homer here, but had they had a bad pay-per-view, like an absolute dog shit pay-per-view. I, I mean, would. They had the sparkler death match, but outside of that, that pay per view was good. I would, I would, I would agree. I mean, they've had great, they've had great pay per views. I mean, some of them you may have said are, are average, and that's fine, but they've never, I would say, under delivered. It's always been, uh, this is on par with what I expected, you know. Yeah. And then, oh wow, they really actually elevated their game. They took it to the next level, and I guess that just blows my mind, Butster is. If it's not some type of war in the fans' eyes, because I think it, it very much exists, you know, your three letters versus our three letters, AEW, if we're looking at a, a product, has a great product. It doesn't always show up on TV, but it shows up in the pay-per-view. And I guess if I were to talk to people who aren't AEW fans, what I would say is, what is it about the show that you don't like? What is it about the characters you don't like? Because I'm having a hard time finding an issue with the way they put together. And some people say, well, they don't do long-term storytelling. It seems to be like, oh, here somebody is, and then here somebody's gone. And then a lot of people trade wins and losses just to be fair to everybody, right? But at the end of the day, they have a great show, in my opinion, and it's just... It's just surprising that they haven't wooed more wrestling fans to come over and, and watch them. That's just my take. Now, their storytelling for sure has had issues. The starts and stops, or they're just complete not. I won't say nonsense. That's not the right word. But the stuff that just doesn't make sense. It's just completely out of nowhere. These two are feuding now. Why? I don't know. TK was That's bored, fair. flipped into the roster and said, hey, let's have these two feud for three weeks. And they'll never speak of it again. Why? Well, I don't know. ADD, you know. It's true. On to the next thing. That doesn't help. Because if you think about it, so their pay-per-views are very good. Their weekly show is good. Really not more than good. I would agree. So where where's your disconnect? What's what's not done? It's not in ring talent. Uh, I think that's fair to say because I mean they can put off matches. You know, they have some great talkers. 
right? I mean, you got Don Callis there. He's not an in-ring talent, but a fantastic talker. So that's not the issue. Time slot? No, I don't think that's an issue for Wednesday. Maybe Saturday might be an issue, but for Wednesday it isn't. So it comes back to, in my opinion, it comes back to a, a story writing, storytelling, however you want to word it. Because you got to think, look at um, Strickland, Sir Strickland and Keith Lee. What happened? It just stopped. No rhyme, no reason, no blow off, no. It just stopped. Right? Wardlow, we, we've beat this topic to death. What happened? The guy's a unit beating everybody all over TV. Have you seen him in the last three months, four months, whatever it's been? No, I don't know. It's been a, quite a while. That's an issue. There, there's something gone wrong there. Right? So that, I think that's their big hang-up is the storytelling. It's your storylines. It's great to put off fantastic matches, and it's important. Obviously, it's wrestling. But I need a story to it. Wrestling is a soap opera. Whether you like it being called a soap opera or not, it's what it is, right? So there's got to be story. I want to hear a story. No, I don't want it to be uh, a two-hour show, an hour and 10 minutes of storytelling, and, you know, 20 minutes of commercials and 30 minutes of wrestling. I don't want that either, but I need some story. I need something to it outside of, let's throw these guys in the ring or girls and see what happens and there's got to be a little more to it but you can't have your 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 segments your talking points go for 20 minutes though that's that doesn't point. work because then because i know me and i'm a wrestling fan if the segment is going for 20 minutes you've lost my interest i can't do it I, i'm not tuning in to watch 20 minute talking segments yeah interview here interview there i hate you i hate you i'm gonna kick your ass friday night no you're not i'm gonna kick your ass okay let's go yeah it, that's, it does, that's a yeah. very broken down version but that's the gist of it no i agree it doesn't have to be this long and drawn out thing and i feel like the big the big uh disconnect and that was a great word you brought up is, is a disconnect is I think when Tony Khan decided to do W or uh, AEW, he looked at WWE and said, there's a ton of this and there's not enough of this. And we're not going to be a talking show. We're going to be a wrestling show. That's going to be action packed from bell to bell. That's why a lot of times when you turn on collision or rampage, they're already basically ringing the bell to start the match. However, I think what Tony needs to work on is yeah, you, you do want to have, you know, an action-packed show with, with as much wrestling as you can. But like the Butster said, there has to be some storytelling that happens. And I feel like that's where it lacks. And, and the Butster said it perfectly. It's like, okay, I have this guy and this guy. Now they're feuding with each other, but we don't really have a backstory. But yet with the Young Bucks or Kenny or Hangman, you'll have that long storytelling, right? So I feel like in some ways... He allocates long-term storytelling for some people, but other people, we don't get a backstory or we don't know what was going on with them. Um, 
sometimes people will just debut on the show and there'll be no backstory of who they were or where they came from. No vignettes to introduce somebody. You know, you and I, Butster, we know wrestlers that wrestle in Japan and Germany and uh, the UK and the United States and Australia. And we're familiar with these people because this is our thing, right? This is what we get into. But the average casual wrestling fan who's tuning into a television show and they see this huge jack guy who's tan and this and that, and they're like, oh, wow, that's cool. Who the hell is he? They don't do enough of the vignettes. And I feel like they've done better with Miro. And I feel like in some ways they did it with Darby Allen. They did it with Sting. But it's not a consistent thing, right? And I think you mentioned this on a prior show. It's all about consistency. And AEW is kind of bipolar when it comes to the way they do things. It's like, oh, yeah, this is we're going to do this. We're not going to do this. And I think wrestling fans are like, what is your identity? Like, who are you as a company? Everyone knows WWE is just a soap opera that just happens to have wrestling in it. AEW is a wrestling show that needs to have some level of soap opera in it, and it just doesn't have that. Um, I think the one thing that I'm very happy about is that Tony Khan is open to Brian Danielson being part of creative, because what some people may or may not know is, and we talked about this last week, Brian Danielson was on the creative team in WWE when he was not cleared to wrestle. So he was there with the Freddie Prince juniors and he was there with the other writers and he was putting his two cents in and people really respected Brian for what he did. Tony is seeing this now as well. Hopefully edge or Adam Copeland will be able to, to have some, you know, uh, abilities to have conversations with Tony and say, Hey, listen, man, here's some trade secrets that you might want to, might want to use, but you're right. AEW has been inconsistent. They have great matches, but we don't know the reason behind the matches. And I think a little better explanation as to why this person is coming into AEW is important. Because, look, you and I, we know the New Japan guys, right? We, we know who they are. We've seen them on Wrestle Kingdom. But if somebody's just coming in and watching wrestling for the first time, they have no idea what Wrestle Kingdom is. They have no idea what the Tokyo Dome is. The Tokyo Dome. They have no idea what, what some of these events are. You know, they don't know what the G1 Climax is. They don't. Um, they don't know what the best of the Super Juniors is. So it's like when they start throwing out these indie terms about PWG, right? The Battle of Los Angeles, BOLA. They don't know what that stuff is, but we do. And that's why I feel like AEW uses too much indie talk um, because they think we're all in on it. But the reality is, if I'm a casual fan and I come in and you use a lot of indie talk, I don't feel like I'm in the conversation. I feel like it's a conversation amongst the inner people, and I'm on the peripheral. Does that make sense? Makes perfect sense. It's, yeah, it's you can't really sum it up any better than that. That's exactly. Uh, but another thing that I think they dropped the ball on, and it kind of gets back to what I was saying. If you don't mind me going back to it, not at all. Somebody like Action Andretti. He's a perfect example. You bring him in. Did you know who he was when he came in to wrestle Jericho? I knew him from the Indies. Did, I had never heard of him. Okay. Okay. He comes in. Jericho's one of your stars. And this, I, I, 
I don't want to say no name, that's harsh, but lesser known talent, not mainstream known talent, comes in and beats him. And then Action Andretti kicks around for a couple weeks and gone. No real story to it coming in. Kicks around for two, three, four weeks, whatever it was, not long. He's gone again. Gone again. What happened there? The guy was dynamite, great in the ring. You know, good look. And you bring him in and have him go over Jericho. So you would think if you're going to do that, you have plans for him. Where did that go south? Did, did, was there a falling out I've never heard of? Did he get hurt? I haven't heard that he got hurt. Then what's the deal? No, that's a great, great point you made here. Um, and, and and this brings up a really good point here. Like, it, and this is exactly the point you were making before about AEW. Like, oh, this guy's going to fight this guy. Okay. And then this guy beats Chris Jericho, which should set off a feud or it should elevate this guy, right? Because the whole point of having somebody wrestle a veteran is the veteran is trying to get the young guy over and elevate the young guy. I'll be very honest with you. Action Andretti is every bit of wrestler is Sammy Guevara. He is every bit of a wrestler as, um, oh my gosh, uh, Daniel um, Garcia. Daniel Garcia. I think he is from a talent perspective. So you had him beat Jericho for, for what? Because you're not going to have someone beat Chris Jericho for no apparent reason. Because Jericho's not going to take the fall for no apparent reason. But to let you kind of know what's going on with Action and Dreddy, he actually started out in 2019 um, with an independent company called MCW. Um, and they're actually an outfit that's outside. They wrestled primarily in the Maryland, uh, Virginia area, maybe even the D.C. area. Some of the guys end up going up to New Jersey to wrestle as well. Um, they make appearances and create a pro. But that was basically it. So he's fairly new in the business. So 2019 is not very long. He gets signed to AEW for a contract, and he appears on Dark Elevation. So here's the other thing. If you're a normal, casual wrestling fan who's flipping through the channels, Dark Elevation was on YouTube. So unless you're a diehard AEW person and you're like, I'm watching the YouTube show, you're not going to know who Action Andretti is. So when they told the, the story of Action Andretti, it was on a completely different platform. So I think the problem is when they introduced him to the uh, television audience, they had no friggin' idea who the hell this guy was. But AEW fans make or AEW head ups make this assumption that, oh, yeah, everybody's watching Dark Elevation and everybody's watching the YouTube stuff and everybody's watching these things. So they already know the backstory. Why say it again? No. A lot of people weren't watching the YouTube stuff. And even if it is redundant, throw a vignette up there or a clip on or a trailer of the guy, for God's sakes. So people can say, oh, oh okay, I kind of like this guy. Let's see what he can do. There's way too many assumptions that are drawn in AEW. And I also feel like as much as I like Excalibur, kind of what we've talked about before, Excalibur mentions a lot of these independent promotions, right? And again, people don't feel like they're in the conversation because they don't know what these places are. 
And that's kind of a problem as well because they dropped Rev Pro many times on the pay-per-view. And I guarantee if I walked outside right now, I would ask people, what's Rev Pro? Not a clue. But if I asked people, what's NXT? A lot more people would know. So that's kind of the problem. So you're not wrong. It's frustrating. It's very frustrating because I feel like in so many ways, AEW has the abilities. They just lack the follow through. And in many situations, when it comes to wrestling, it's all about the follow through. You have to almost spoon feed fans until they can, they get their teeth and they can start eating solid food. And then, Oh, I can feed myself. And then, Oh, I want that. I'm going to go eat that. It's just like raising a small child. But if you don't first start by getting them on the soft food and introducing them, there's no way they're going to end up eating a hamburger. I don't know how that even entered my mind, but anyway. Would they cut the hamburger in half? Moving on to the next topic. Once again, there's a reference many people who tune into the show might not get. Go into the archives and listen to our old stuff. You'll get the whole concept of cutting a hamburger. Um, that was fun. That was fun. I want to talk about Wrestle Dream because all this talk about Adam Copeland um, is great, but I don't want it to be overshadowed by the fact that they had a great pay-per-view. So the concept of Wrestle Dream was a uh, it was an event that was supposed to be a combination between New Japan Pro Wrestling and AEW, kind of a joint venture between the two, uh, put on by Tony Khan. Now, Tony obviously was a big fan of ECW. A lot of people know that. That's why you have a lot of ECW um, former stars show up. But he was also a big fan of Antonio Inoki and what Inoki did in Japan. Inoki passed away a year ago, right around this time. So Tony Khan wanted to pay homage to him. And they did a whole spiel in the beginning about the flowers and the lineage of Antonio Inoki. And here's the problem, Butster. Most people right now watching wrestling don't know who Antonio Inoki is. And again, that's the problem. They're assuming that people know who these people are. Anyway, uh, the pay-per-view itself was fantastic. I'm not going to go through my opinion of every single match, but they start off with zero hour, which you end up having Luchasaurus uh, take on uh, Nick Wayne, which was really interesting because Nick Wayne got smashed very quickly in a squash match. And you were kind of asking yourself, man, they're, they're really boosting this Nick Wayne guy up. Why would they have Luchasaurus completely smash him? And then we end up finding out at the end of the night, the reason behind that. Um, you end up having a great match with Claudio Castagnoli and Josh Barnett. Again, if you don't know who Josh Barnett is, you have no idea what Bloodsport is. And Bloodsport is the promotion that um, Josh Barnett ends up having a lot of his matches in. It's more of a bare knuckle, more of a, a strong style, but for the American fan, um, a lot of Japanese um, aspects are taken from that. We move on to the main card here, and I'm not going in order, but Brian Danielson versus Zack Sabre Jr., it was a technical match, and it was fan-friggin-tastic. Swerve Strickland took on Adam Hangman Page. Swerve gets a big win, so we're excited to see where this could go for Swerve. The Aussie Open took on FTR in one of the best tag team matches I've seen recently. I'm surprised, to be honest with you, that Aussie Open didn't get the tag titles. Unfortunately, um, one of the members of Aussie Open um, ended up breaking his wrist, so it looks like he's going to be out for 
a while. MJF, without the use of Adam Cole, took on the Righteous, and they won. He won in a handicap match. Jericho, Kenny Omega, and Kota Ibushi took on Kanosuke Takeshita, Sammy Guevara, and Will Ospreay. Unfortunately, uh, the Don Callis family uh, came out on top. Christian Cage uh, defeated Darby Allen in his hometown for the TNT title. Chris Statlander ended up beating Julia Hart in a match that was actually surprisingly good. Eddie Kingston took on Katsuhori Shibata for the uh, Ring of or for the uh, New Japan um, Open and the Ring of Honor World Championship. Ricky Starks had a great match with Wheeler Yuta. Great, great match right there. He beat him. The Young Bucks ended up surviving a four-way match against the Lucha Brothers. Hook and Orange Cassidy and the Guns, and they the winner gets to pick a title shot at any point in time. Uh, the acclaimed with Daddy Ass took on TDMK on again zero hour. And the acclaimed with Daddy Ass won, and then also Shane Taylor, Lee Moriarty, Mercedes Martinez, and Diamante, all from Ring of Honor, uh, took on Kojima, Keith Lee, Athena, and Billy Starks. Again, a butster, I'm telling you, we need to, I hate to say do away with Ring of Honor, but Billy Starks is freaking great as a, as a woman's wrestler. Why in God's name is she not on AEW? Mercedes Martinez is really good. Diamante is really good. Now, Diamante and um, Thunder Rosa obviously have an issue with each other, so that's why they're not going to be on the same show. When Thunder Rosa comes back, obviously you're not going to want to have Diamante on there as well because that's going to cause friction, but... Billy Starks is the person that I'm telling you is going to be a big star. Um, so many people are so high on Sky Blue right now. I'm not sold on Sky Blue. I know you are. But we need to use these guys in AEW, and unfortunately, when they're over in Ring of Honor, there's a lot of talent that could be used. But again, so many hours in the week, you only have so much programming. Yeah, um, Starks. I'm not real knowledgeable over her. I, I know a little bit. I don't know. She definitely has her, her upside. But one name you didn't mention, which shocks me, you didn't say anything about Athena. You said she was in the match, but you didn't go any further next. I know you're a huge Athena fan, and she's amazing. Don't get me wrong. But Athena, formerly known as Ember Moon, uh, she's She's excellent. I, f I feel like she was hidden in this match because uh, it was a mixed tag match. I don't feel like she got to really show all of her arsenal. Uh, they did focus a lot on Keith Lee in this, which I'm kind of surprised in a way because Keith Lee has been, as we said before, uh, almost an afterthought in many ways. Um, but Athena, yeah, she was just there. And, and I'm not taking anything away from her. But it really, when you have a great talent like Athena, it's very hard to accent their strengths when you have an eight man or a six man because most of the time they're standing on the ring apron and everyone has to get their time in right everyone has to get their spots in and if she only gets out of a 10 minute match she only gets a minute and a half then really he tony khan wants to get as many people on the card as possible to expose them but getting somebody in for a minute and a half really doesn't do a whole lot um, so yeah, I was really bummed out about that, but Athena should absolutely be on an AEW roster. Um, she'd be amazing if she was on collision on a weekly basis. I think that would be great, but you had mentioned something that you weren't really didn't know a whole lot about Billy Stark. So let me tell you about Billy Starks real quick. 
Billy Starks is also known as Lillian Bridget. She was born in 2004. She goes by the ring name Billy Starks. She is signed, obviously, to AEW. She spent some time in Game Changer Wrestling, which to some fans, GCW. Um, they end up doing most of their matches in a casino where it gets very bloody, very violent, but uh, GCW does have some good matches. She also was in uh, Joshi Pro Wrestling, which is over in uh, Japan. And then most recently, she spent some time in MLW, which is a little bit more well-known for wrestling fans here in the United States. Uh, what a lot of people don't understand is, is that she started training when she was 13 years old. And I think this is really interesting because we're starting to see more talent training at an earlier age. Um, Nick Wayne was, tra uh, was training very, very early. You have a lot of different wrestlers who are breaking into the industry who are training at an early age with, with parental consent. She's actually from Jeffersonville, Indiana, which is actually about two hours away from where I'm sitting uh, right now. She's only been in the business for a few years. In fact, she debuted in 2018, but from all reports that I've heard, is she is a phenomenal talent. And she may be at some point on the level of Mercedes Monet. And there is so many people who have high regard for her. And I think, again, why is she not in the mix in AEW? The only thing I can think of, you put people in Ring of Honor because they need a little more polish. But at the same time, if you're only going to wrestle the same people in Ring of Honor, you're not really getting that experience of wrestling a variety of people that you would do on a dynamite or a rampage or a collision. I think you're going to see her number get called up pretty quickly because this girl is a big, big deal. No, you don't get the same um, variety of people to wrestle. However, I mean, she's 18 years old, Mike. You let her wrestle with somebody like um, Martinez. She can learn a lot from that woman. She can. So she has been around. I agree. Right. So if you want, if you want uh, Billy to learn, Mercedes Martinez is the perfect one. Because don't forget, if you take somebody like, like Billy Starks, okay, eighteen years old, and you throw her right into the limelight, that's that's a lot to ask out of a, a child. Like she can't even buy a beer. She can't even buy a beer here in Canada, and you can drink at 19 here. Would you say in that same breath that it's not the best idea to throw Nick Wayne out there right now, as young as he is? He just graduated high school. 100%. They have done nothing good with Nick Wayne. You know what the – this sounds bad. The best part of Nick Wayne being on the main roster is Christian talk about Nick Wayne's mom. By the way, I'm a happily married man, and so are you. But uh, Nick Wayne's mom, if you haven't seen her, I will say this. She's a very nice, uh, attractive young woman. Nick Wayne has done nothing. Really, and I'm not trying to speak ill or talk down. Hey, he's on AEW. Me and you were hanging out in our houses on a Tuesday night talking about him. He's doing better in the wrestling world than we are. But he, again, he's gotten some exposure, which is beautiful, absolutely. But they're not pushing him. He would probably be better off in Ring of Honor as well. Get some exposure. That's on a bigger stage. Not huge. That he's not going to be on TSN 2 tomorrow night if he's on Ring of Honor. But he'll get exposure. 
He's he's still a young man, 18 years old. He's been raised in the industry. His dad was a wrestler. So he's got a maybe a step up that way. But he's still just a young man. I mean, the child really. At that age, 18-year-old Mike Freeland. Okay. I know that was like 46 years ago or something like that. But 18-year-old Mike, don't shake your head at me. 18-year-old Mike Freeland. Could you have handled any kind of fame or hoopla? Really? How how well have you would you have done with that? I don't think it would have worked out well at all. Because at 18, you're an idiot. <laughs> Just the way no, it's true. You're, you're right. No, you're old. right. You're an idiot. I am a minute. Every time someone says you're an idiot, do you, do you have you ever seen the uh the Grinch movie with Jim Carrey? Yes. Do you, do you remember what I'm talking about? He's yelling uh, in the cave. Yeah. Not offhand, but okay. Well, you need to check that out. But anyway, but it, please. But it's true, and, and that's not me cutting you up. I don't mean it that. But at eighteen, I would not be prepared. Yes, right. It's just the way it is. I mean, if you're eighteen years old, and all of a sudden you're on TV every Wednesday night or every other Wednesday night, I don't care how well you were raised makes no difference you are going to become an asshole because your ego is going to get big just the way it is no i'm nick wayne you know who i am i was on dynamite last night i'm a big deal it's just the way it is and that's not a slight at nick wayne that's just the way it is at 18 years old People are not generally, there are exceptions, but people are generally not real mature. And, and that's that's a hard thing to do. Like you take um, pro sport, like outside of wrestling, baseball. How many 18 year olds do you see in the MLB? Scattered one, but they're few and far between. Few and far between. Right. Basketball, you see a couple. And unfortunately, they a lot of times have maturity issues, right? That, or they have really, really good teammates around them that keep them in check. Basically, borderline babysitters. Same thing in hockey. You'll you'll see kids come out of junior, right? They're playing up here in Canada. If they go into the NHL, they're 18 or 19 when they get in. But they're usually like a Sidney Crosby, prime example, one of the greatest hockey players ever. Well, he came into the league at 18 years old, and he lived with Mario Lemieux, the owner of the Pittsburgh Penguins. You could not also, have picked a better person to, to yeah. sit under the learning tree. But he was playing with the Penguins. He was living with Mario. So you're going to listen to Mario, A, because he's a legend, and B, because he's your boss right you're an 18 year old kid i'm mario lemieux you could argue that he is the greatest hockey player ever i wouldn't agree with you but you can there's nobody's going to say he's not a top five hockey player ever right once again i know we're getting off the rest of the topic but i'm just using it for an example like at 18 you're not mature most people are not mature they're not ready for national exposure it's just the way it is. So I think Billy Starks 
and Nick Wayne would both get further ahead in their career longevity in Ring of Honor than what they would on Dynamite, Rampage, Collision, whatever it would be. They're you're just not generally you're just not mature enough for that type of attention. You're not done growing at 18 years old. You're not. I know yeah, I no, wasn't. I agree. So, you know, you're not finished maturing, you know, because from 18 to, say, 21 or 22, you're going from a boy to a man, girl to a woman. Those are huge differences. We're only talking four years. At 22, you're still a very young person. No, I agree. They're not there. And I don't think either one of them should be on mainstream TV yet. I think they both have too much to learn. Well, the one thing I will say is obviously he debuted in 2018 and he is a minor. He just recently turned 18 and graduated high school. But I want to throw out just some names that Nick Wayne has competed against. So he's gone against Chris Bay. He's gone against Gringo Loco. Uh, Gringo Loco, who some people may or may not know on the indie scene, really, really good. Trey Miguel, Will Ospreay, he's been in the ring with. Tony Deppen, he's been in the ring with. ACH, obviously he did have a match, uh, the intergender match. He had one with Billy Starks as well. He had a match with Brian Cage. Um, Kenosuke Takeshita, he had a match with Alan Angels, Jonathan Gresham. Uh, who else did he have matches with? Titus Alexander. Again, if you're not super familiar with uh, independent wrestling, that might not necessarily ring well with you. But he had matches with Kyle Fletcher and Mark Davis, uh, the two guys in Aussie Open. Um, he had a match with Jimmy Lords, Joey Janela as well. He also had, let's see, a match with. Jordan Oliver, um, let's see here, another match with Gringo Loco. He's had matches with people. He's had matches with a lot of people, and I think he's had so many matches. Um, e. Helgo uh, Del Vankingo, uh, who is the AAA world champion, he had a match with him as well. So he's had matches with a lot of different people, Maslamovich as well. Um, but when we talk about maturity, Buster's right. I mean... The kid just turned 18, just graduated high school, the last graduation, which was in May, which was just right before the summer started. So is there still a lot of maturity between the ears that has to happen? Yeah, I agree. Do I think he's been propelled into a situation because of his father? Uh, the fact that you know his father trained so many successful wrestlers? Yeah, I think that definitely plays a factor. I think what Tony Khan was thinking was he's a number one draft pick. And we better sign this guy because I think this guy in 10 years is going to be absolutely huge for my company. And I think he absolutely has the potential to be that. Does he have it right now? I'd have to go with the butster on this. I'm going to say no, but he's on AEW television. He's being worked into the storylines with uh, Christian Cage as being the TNT champion. By the way, let me ask you this. Do you feel like even though Christian Cage might not be the TNT champion you would want right now. Do you feel like he's kind of like steered the ship pretty well and starting to calm all the hot potato action with the TNT championship? He's brought some stability and calmness to the whole situation surrounding that title. Cause I think he's definitely done that. There's no doubt. 
no no hesitation that you know the TNT title. How many champions has there been? I mean, it got kicked around a bunch. Didn't Wardle have it for two days, or was that Hobbs had it for two days? I think Hobbs had it, and then Wardlow ended up getting it back, and then Samoa Joe had it. So you had you had Wardlow, um, you had Samoa Joe, you had Cody Rhodes, um, you had let me think here, let me think here, Darby Allen, um, uh, Sammy Guevara had it. Uh, who else had the the TNT? Okay, Brody Lee ended up having it as well. So I would say. Most likely, it's been about seven or eight people who've had the championship. Now, some people have had it multiple times, but it recently played hot potato, and it really started to make it turn into the 24-7 championship, that stupid green-looking thing. Yep. And that really started to bother not only me, but I think it it bothered wrestling fans who were like, how am I supposed to believe this person is the face of TNT when I don't even think they have a face because, oh, yeah, it belongs to somebody else now. Yeah, no, it was it wasn't handled well there for a while, but not it's with Christian. It, yeah, it's definitely a little more relevant. You know, he defends it. You know, it's on TV every week. He's a good champion. Don't forget that Christian's a good champion. He's a good he wrestler, but amazing talker. Like, good lord, he can talk. To anybody about anything, he's a, he's like Eddie Kingston talker. So he he definitely he he settled it down. Well, not he didn't settle it down, but creative settled it down. But they yeah. chose to go the route of Christian to make it a little more st- stable, settled down, and it's exactly what you want. A title that kicks around way too much becomes irrelevant, like you said, because. You know, yeah, he's the champion this week. Tune in in three weeks' time for our new champion. And then just it doesn't have the same value to it. Well, taking a slight detour from AEW, trust me, we'll come back to the AEW conversation soon. We're also going to make our way over to the WWE. Some things I want to talk to you about when it comes to Impact Wrestling. And I want to talk about a few things here about Impact. And in the real big headline coming at Impact Wrestling right now, Butster, is that Sammy Callahan is now officially a free agent. And as many of you know, Sammy Callahan has been a guy who's been kind of an indie darling. He's been all over, uh, up and down the East Coast. He's been in the Midwest. Um, did a lot of stuff with John Moxley uh, in CZW. He did stuff in GCW. And then he finally found a home in impact wrestling a couple of years ago. And I think he's, he's carved out a good name for himself right now. Well, as of October 1st, he is a free agent, no longer with impact wrestling. Both sides tried to come to an agreement, but according to ringside news, they were far apart on money and dates, and he is looking for new opportunities elsewhere. However, ringside news is also stating that they have ended things on a very good note, and they would not be surprised if a reunion did happen at some point down the road. Sammy Callahan was associated with Impact Wrestling ever since 2017 um, when he both came in not only as an in-ring competitor but a character as well. Some of you may be familiar with him. He was also in NXT at one point in time before he ended up being part of that big wave of cuts that happened a few years ago. Um, Sammy Callahan, interesting character. 
kind of wild, kind of crazy, kind of has that Terry Funk feeling, has that John Moxley feeling, has that Mick Foley feeling, um, has that Terry Gordy feeling. When you look at somebody like this who can definitely wrestle, but I think he's predominantly known for his his character, his personality, uh, especially being with OVE, okay? Uh, Ohio versus everybody, which I'm a big fan of that because I'm an Ohio guy. But do you think with Sammy Callahan, the reason why Sammy has not gotten opportunities elsewhere is because maybe his style, the way he does things, is a little kind of too out there. Um, what's your thoughts and where do you think would be a good fit for Sammy now that he is a free agent? Yeah, Sammy Stephanie's out there. He's good. But he's been pigeonholed. I don't know if that's the right word I'm going with or not, as nuts, for lack of better terms. Like, you know, I like physical. I'm fine with that. But he's he's right out there. Like he's he's a bit cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. And I think that's where he got labeled as for his character, the Sammy Callahan character that we know, he's got very few places he can go. I mean, it, it ain't going to be WWE. That's not going to happen. It's not going to be NXT. That's not going to happen. I'd love to see him and Mox. <laughs> That'd be a lot of fun. That's going to be vicious. I don't know if AEW's the answer because he's he's a modern day hardcore wrestler really so GCW well, are they going to be able to have him on their roster and keep him going and keep him paid wrestling in casinos and stuff like that I don't know if that's the answer Puerto Rico I guess they, they like that kind of very violent wrestling. You could carve out a nice niche down there and make some good money for himself. Sammy would be further ahead to recreate himself if he can. The only problem is you recreate yourself, you lose some of your name value now. So you're kind of taking a bit of a step back to hopefully take a bigger step forward. Because he can wrestle. It's not like he's just... A bum that can't do anything other than hardcore trash wrestling. He's he's not bad. He's a good talker. So if he recreated himself, it would open up more windows. But Here's can he still I, wrestle though, like he used to? I mean, he's with pretty beat up now. With those, you're right. With those types of matches, you, your bump card gets filled up pretty fast, and your career ends up being shortened. Here's an idea. What would you think if he did New New Japan Strong, which is the United States uh, extension of New Japan Pro Wrestling, where people like Eddie Kingston have actually found some great success? Do you think that might be something that might worth dabbling into as well? Couldn't hurt. I mean, he's, he's a very physical wrestler. And, you know, you can get away with a little more snug laid in. You know, but it's not barbar bats and flaming tables and chair True. shots and candlesticks and so on and so forth. 
Yeah, that's actually not a bad call. I, I never even thought about that, to be honest with you. Speaking of, I want to ask you this this question here. When, when, when you hear the word kendo stick, I want you to tell me one person that comes to mind, the first person. Sandman. Okay, fair enough. I think of Steve Blackman. Good call. Great Every call. time I hear kendo stick, I think of Steve Blackman. Interesting. But yeah, we're, we're hoping the best for um, Sammy Callahan because he, he can wrestle. He is very good. And it'll be interesting to see what happens with that. Let's talk about some other people that um, we're kind of figuring out where are they going to go? Where are they going to end up? Well, the aforementioned Matt Riddle, as we've mentioned previously, uh, his name came up um, around the Impact Wrestling offices. This uh, news story is coming from Ringside News as well. Recently released WWE star Matt Riddle also might be in the crosshairs of another promotion. Matt Riddle reportedly burned all of his bridges in WWE, according to many people within the company. His release is still a bit of a surprise because of his abilities to wrestle and his connection to Randy Orton as well. Now, PCO was interviewed uh, recently on a podcast, and he reeled the talk of three different names, and Matt Riddle's name came up uh, at the Impact Wrestling offices, and he said the following, Of course it did. Already, there are names that are being mentioned by people who are close to the office. The other names that are circling around, in addition to Matt Riddle, is Dolph Ziggler and Mustafa Ali. Now, right now, it hasn't been determined where any three of those individuals are going to go. Now, the King of Bros was involved in several controversies, one most recently at the JFK Airport in New York City. Um, There was also a, a leaked sex tape as well that happened with him as well. And when he got out of rehab, he also had some issues. So Booker T was asked what he thought about Matt Riddle going to Impact Wrestling. Booker T said that he became a big liability when he was in WWE, so they had to let him go. He does have a 90-day no-compete clause. So where do we think Matt Riddle is going to show up next? A guy like this is interesting because if he is on the up and up and he's clean and he's sober, I feel like we said the same thing about Jeff Hardy. He can wrestle and put on great matches and can be an attraction. Unfortunately, under the influence of substances, maybe hanging around with the wrong people, um, he might be on the, the, the original Jake Roberts road, if you know. Um, I just don't know what Matt Riddle you're going to get if you try to sign him. Do you think that Matt Riddle, because it has been confirmed, he, he burned all of his bridges in WWE, what do you think is the next step for Matt Riddle? I personally think he should step away for quite a while, get his life together, get cleaned up, maybe reinvent himself, and then debut way down the road after he feels like he's in a better place. What's your take? I don't care, honestly. That's fair. Um, Matt Riddle burned his bridges in the UFC. He did. All right. No, and the wooden for lack of talent. Very good, very good wrestler, very good fighter at that point. No, he got his chance wrestling in WWE, burned all his bridges there. You know, you, you, you always want well for somebody, but at a certain point, man, you got to look after yourself. And that's the end of the. You no, know, you can, what's it? Uh, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. That's kind of what you have with Matt Riddle. This is true. He's got talent. He's a good wrestler. Well, he comes from an MMA background, so he can make it look legit like he is laying it in. 
he's a guy whose issue is between his ears. That's his issue. Some of it's maturity. Um, I mean, he's been in rehab, so he's got uh, some substance abuse issues. And that whole going on at the at the airport, that was just so uh, fooey. Just nonsense going on with that. Is he looking for attention? Is that his deal? I don't I don't know. For me, I just hope he gets his life sorted out. Wrestling be damned. Just just get sorted out. So you're healthy and happy and and in a good place. That's the the most important thing. There's gonna be organizations give him a chance. Ninety day complete non compete. Ninety one days he's gonna have a phone call. Oh heck yeah he is. Guaranteed. And ninety two days he's gonna have an offer. Somebody's going to. But he's he's gotta get right. Uh, that that's the main thing. He, for you no know, wrestling fans, wrestling fandom, whatever it is aside, he's gotta get right because this one's got to live. We we would see him on TV for 15 minutes every other week or something like that as fans. But he's the one that's got to live with himself every day and, and his significant other. And no, I, I couldn't care less about his wrestling career. Not to be mean or a jerk. I just want him to get right before he worries about any kind of wrestling. He'll be back soon. It'll be interesting to see who's willing to take a flyer on him because somebody obviously will because he's a name. He's been in WWE. He's got a track record of being successful. But do you remember this was this was maybe a couple of months ago, uh, if if that we talked about you know who do we expect? We went through the WWE roster and people we thought that would not be with the company. And I brought up Matt Riddle's name, and I think we were both you know you're a little surprised that I brought up Matt's name because I mean at one point. You know, with RK Bro, they were hot as ever. And with the notion, uh, Randy Orton being spotted at the Performance Center, um, him being backstage at some of the most recent events, a lot of people are like, wow, maybe they could rekindle that or see where this could go. But now Matt Riddle is gone. And I feel like, obviously, this was self-inflicted. But I don't necessarily know if Matt Riddle by himself, even if he was clean, would still be relevant in wwe for the simple fact that look we got cody who's going to try to finish a story you got la Knight. you still got roman reigns doing his thing and another topic i want to bring up in the wwe segment is this whole concept of what's next after the bloodline and i think they've already put the wheels in motion for that and i want to talk about that as well um but yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what happens with Matt Riddle. Will he end up showing up at some point in time in Impact? Will he hit the indie scene again and do PWG? Who knows? Um, but obviously, I think it's pretty safe to say he will not be back in WWE for quite some time. But if he gets clean and gets hot, wrestling's all about who's hot and who can bring in money. Now... Let me also bring up this topic when we're talking about Impact Wrestling. Recently released uh, star CM Punk from AEW 
is gaining some traction in Impact Wrestling. It was previously reported that Impact Wrestling is very intrigued about signing the Second City Saint. Um, some people in the company are actually really pushing for it. While speaking to what culture Impact Wrestling star Josh Alexander was asked, how would Punk be received if Punk was to come in to Impact Wrestling? And he said, oh, he'd be welcomed back with open arms. Here is the exact quote from Josh Alexander. His ability to get eyes on your product or your company. I saw Bully Ray recently say the exact same thing. You can say whatever you want about him. But I wasn't in any of those locker rooms. I didn't see any of those things that happened or transpired or the drama or anything else like that. That unfortunately occurred. But I do know him as a professional wrestler and an individual that can help out a company. He went on to say many other things as well. But he did say that he would love to have a program as well with CM Punk if he came into Impact Wrestling. You mentioned this before on a prior episode. It really kind of boils down to is Impact Wrestling going to be able to digest the uh, contract or the the demand from financially what he's going to be asking. Let's say Punk really wants to stick it to AEW and really wants to stick it to the wrestling business. Do you think CM Punk would take a pay cut and say, guess what, I'm going back for revenge and I'm going to do something in Impact Wrestling to show everybody next door what I really could have done if you hadn't have let me go? Yeah, he could do it. I don't think he would. Uh, I I see Punk going into another retirement phase like he did after WWE. That's what I think is going to happen. I mean, he left on terrible terms, obviously. And not just terrible terms as in with AEW, just within the wrestling industry. Fans, well, his fans still love him, but a lot of fans think he's you know, a bit of a, a head case, bit of a troublemaker. You know, he's been cut up and crucified by people all over Hell's Half Acre. So I wouldn't be completely shocked if he just showed up somewhere like Impact. You know, come in for a bit. It wouldn't be a long-term thing. If he if he were to go that route that he wants to just stick it to AEW and stick it to wrestling, and he comes back with somebody like an Impact, it's a short-term answer. He'd be around, what, three months, six months. It wouldn't be a two, three-year contract, long-term story. It'd just be, hey, I'm still relevant. I'm still a big deal. I'm going to pop some numbers for impact. Going to get them over, you know, however many views every week. I still matter. You kick me to the curb. Fuck you. Okay, okay, but hold on with that same thought process. So WWE is not right now, according to what you read, depending on if you believe it or not, looking to bring him in. They're, they're really focusing on the next group of people coming through, the, the next crop coming up from NXT. They're focusing on LA Knight. They're focusing on a lot of different people. They're not, they're not going to be focusing on... 44, 45-year-old uh, Phil Brooks. So that's a fact. AEW, we already know that that ship has sailed. So why wouldn't he want to say, hey, guess what? If I got a good deal right now and I want to stay relevant and I want to stroke my ego because he has one. We all do, but he definitely has one. Mm-hmm. Why wouldn't you say, you know what? Screw it, man. I'm going to take this company 
and uh, in, in his eyes, put it on my back and I'm going to take it to the stratosphere and I'm going to be here long term because I'm back. Like, why? Why wouldn't he? Because I don't see any other offers coming his way. I mean, unless he wanted to go the whole Matt Cardona route again, I'm going to just go on tour everywhere and show up everywhere, uh, whether it's announced or unannounced, and just get a buzz for myself. But again, even if you create a buzz like Matt Cardona, he still hasn't been asked back to WWE. And despite what Matt Cardona may say, I'm sure he would love to be back in WWE. WWE is super hot right now. Why wouldn't he want to be? He's not asked back. I mean, think about it from this perspective. He's friends with Cody when Cody was in AEW, and Cody was an EVP, and Cardona had one run-in. He might have had two. He had a run-in and I think a match uh, the following week when they were in Jacksonville during the pandemic. Other than that, there was nothing else. So what does a 45-year-old man who is injury-prone do? I think if Impact Wrestling were to offer you something, I think you take it and you shut your mouth and you just you run that thing until it ends. But again, uh, Phil's a different bird, and he's going to do what he wants to do. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. I could see it, but I wouldn't. I wouldn't bet money on it. Well, that leads us to uh, another name we we brought up before, and, and that's Dolph Ziggler. And we mentioned before, what do we think is going to happen with Dolph? Well, new reports have come out uh, through WWE that there may be some people who were cut that actually may be brought back. Uh, Mustafa Ali, potentially he could be brought back as well. Dolph Ziggler, potentially could be brought back as well. Does it mean they are? No. But does it mean there's a potential down the road? It definitely does. If you're Dolph Ziggler or Mustafa Ali, uh, are you the type of person who says, I don't sign a long-term contract, I kind of do some spots here and there, build my name back up, and then just wait for that phone call? Or do you say, you know what, they let me go, their loss, I'm going to go ahead and show what I can do in a new company. What's your take? Dolph can go and, and do whatever, and he'll be fine. Mustafa Ali is the opposite. Not let me rephrase that. He could go wherever and do fine as well, but he's still younger, and he would benefit further by going back to WWE. So you, you have two different um, two different places in their career right now between the two of them. Uh, Dolph's been around about twenty years, or um, something close to it. Something right around twenty years, yeah done well for himself uh, he's got enough name value to where he could catch on anywhere he does the comedy tours and stuff like that as well so he has another source of revenue there uh, Mustafa Ali he has a name not on the same level as Dolph Ziggler he would benefit from signing a, an open ended contract with somebody that are bounce around do the indies kick around, put off some good matches, do a like a, a one-off with AEW type of thing, you know, just do something like a cameo appearance, we'll say. Sure, go that route, kick around, do some work with these guys, do some work with these guys. If I were him, I wouldn't commit to a long-term contract unless there was an out clause. Yeah, sign me to three years. 
However, I can get out by giving you a 60-day notice. Whatever it is, you're not, I'm not locked in. If I'm in mess route, I go. Uh, Dolph, if somebody's going to offer him a two- or three-year contract or exclusive exclusive contract, if I'm him, I sign it. Uh, or just straight up, yep, I'm with you for two years or I'm with you for three years. Now, with a bigger organization, Dolph's not going to sign a three-year deal with MLW. No, no, not at all. I would for, for fifty grand a year. No, you know, so that wouldn't happen. Then, and, and they would never. They know, they're they're not calling because they can't afford them. So, but if when Tony Khan calls him, if he offers him a three year deal, take it, and you know Tony's going to call him. If, if I'm Dolph, I take it. If I'm Mustafa Ali and Tony Khan, Tony Khan calls. Nope, not unless I got an out because I want to go back. If I'm him, I want to go back to WWE. So that's my non-committal answer. Well, no, no, and I like that though. I mean, that makes sense. You know, have it because because Cody Rhodes has that same has that same thing in his contract as well. And WWE actually offered that to the Young Bucks. Um, and they obviously offered it to Kenny Omega as well. Basically, they said, we want you to sign a uh, a five-year deal. But then at some point in time, whether it was uh, um, you know, 90 days into it, six months into it, a year into it, if you wanted to opt out, that you definitely had that ability to, which is really unique because I don't think that I've heard of that situation happen to very many people. Normally, when you sign the contract, I mean, you basically write it with your own blood. You're locked in. And if they don't want to use you, they don't have to use you. But I think it was very interesting to see that certain people have the ability to say, yeah, I'm here for three years with the exception of if I decide to opt out, I can opt out. I can give you 60 days, 90 days, whatever it be. And then I'm, I'm free and clear to go and not have to sit out a 90 day, no compete. Um, speaking of Cody Rhodes, so I didn't know if you were aware of this, but Adam Copeland is going to be making, um, I guess, his big debut, which is going to be on the 10th of October um, with AEW. So Ringside News is coming out with this as well. WWE is putting a lot of focus on their NXT brand as of late. Obviously, they had uh, Becky Lynch come in to cancel. They've had Rhea Ripley come in. They've had Dominic come in. They've had Seth Rollins come in. They've had Baron Corbin come in. And now, here's what's going to happen. On the next episode for NXT, which is going to be on the 10th of October, they are going to have Cody Rhodes appearing on NXT because this is going to go in direct competition with AEW, who is going to be preempted for a Wednesday. So they're moved to a Tuesday night, and it's going to be called Title Tuesday. Uh, where Adam Copeland makes his in-ring debut with the company in his match that he will have uh, against Luchasaurus. Let me ask you this. I-, I hate to say this, but let's let's just not part and parcel this. If you don't think that this is one way to shove it to AEW, then I don't know what is. Why would you put Cody Rhodes on NXT unless you were intentionally trying to draw people away from a guy who just left your company, who's going to the competitor, and is going to have his in-ring debut. 
It's good business. Oh, yeah, what I'm saying business. is, what I'm it's saying, one hundred percent are putting the gears to them. It, exactly. It's 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 bitterness right there at that point. So when people say, and this is the thing that bothers me because people in the industry will say, well, there's no animosity between these three letters and these three letters. The bullshit to that. I, I find that to be the, the biggest – and some people say, well, it's just amongst the fans that this war exists, and maybe to some degree, but this is an indictment on the fact that Cody Rhodes has never been on NXT. He has nothing to do with NXT. The reason why Baron Corbin has gone down to NXT is because he needs to rejuvenate himself. Dom has gone down to NXT because, well, really, let's be honest – Dom is not uh, at a level to, to carry a title on the main roster, so he goes for an NXT title, right? Becky Lynch has not been rock hard hot, so they bring her on down to NXT to obviously kind of give her a spark as well. The people they've brought down to NXT from the main roster, it was intentional to give them a fresh coat of paint. Not a guy who's in the middle of completing his story. So I personally think this was absolutely a dick move to book someone like that, one of your main guys, to go directly against AEW when Adam Copeland is making his in-ring debut just to say, screw you, you're not going to get anybody to, to tune into your show. Here's a fair question. Fair question straight up. Who wins that night in the waiting, ratings war? Is it going to be NXT with Cody Rhodes showing up? Or do you think it's going to be AEW finding out what Edge is going to be like when he has his match and what's going to happen? NXT. Yeah, I have no doubt that it's going to be NXT. I have no doubt about it. But, I mean, to think that's not a smarmy move, I mean, you have to be pretty foolish not to think no. that. It, it's a very smarmy move. I don't um, have an it, issue with it. I just don't see what – he has nothing to do with the brand. He's not needing an extra coat of paint. They're not trying to rejuvenate him. I mean, it's kind of like, oh, well, we're going to move Roman Reigns down to NXT for a week. It's like, really? Like, that is the most overtly dick move I've seen before. But, I mean, it is the way it is. Um, <laughs> more news is coming out. Listen to this. Hey, again, you can say it's good business, and I'm not disagreeing. John Cena is booked for WWE NXT. On the same night that Adam Copeland is going to be making his in-ring debut. Again, WWE is putting a lot of focus on their NXT brand in the next few weeks. A very big episode. John Cena is back for a couple of months, and he's going to be making his NXT debut. Also, he's going to be there with Cody Rhodes. Carmelo Hayes, who lost the NXT championship uh, to Drogoff uh, at NXT No Mercy, there's going to be a big loss for him, but there's also going to be some very interesting matches that come up. Now, just recently, as of tonight, Dominic has rewon the um, the North American Championship in uh, NXT. So it'll be very interesting to see what happens. Oscar uh, is also going to be in action next week against Roxanne Perez. I don't know. I laugh at this shit. I laugh at it because it's 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 a desperate thing. It's a desperate thing. So basically what you're saying is we're superior, and I don't think anybody's arguing that. But NXT is supposed to be the NXT brand. You don't bring Cody Rhodes, and you don't bring John Cena in. The reason why NXT ratings have been better recently is because you're just dropping these main roster stars in there. 
if it was just NXT, that's just the way it is. It's not like AEW is bringing in, oh, they're going to bring in this guy, right? They're going to bring in all these people for this one show to make an appearance to somehow try to drown out your competition. I mean, just do your own thing and worry about yourself. But again, I, I think that is the epitome of why people in, think WWE is petty. And I mean, it's really hard to to argue against the pettiness when you see something like that. I mean, you have to agree on that one. Yeah, they're probably being a little bit petty. You, AEW's never been petty towards WWE. Well, they're not even on the same night. No, but you mean... That's whether on the same night or not, it's irrelevant. Has AEW ever been petty towards WWE? Cody, is, Cody destroy, destroying the throne? That wasn't a slight at Triple H? Also on pay-per-view. Pardon? It's also on pay-per-view. And, and I agree with you. And I agree with you on that. Yeah, I mean, you can say that. AEW is just as bad. I they I are. don't know. I, I feel like they the scorecard's are. a little unbalanced. But I mean, think about it from this perspective. If you're trying to have a developmental brand, first of all, they're not developmental. I don't buy that for a second. But I think if you're trying to have a developmental brand, I think what you can do is you can bring in main roster people every once in a blue moon to go ahead and maybe help raise the uh, raise the game for some of these younger, soon-to-be stars. But, I mean, Cody being down there with John Cena just happens to be on the 10th. I see. So do you honestly think that WWE rewrote all their programming because it's been announced that Adam Copeland is going to be on AEW the 10th. I think I wouldn't know if I would say completely re- rewrote, but I think if WWE does not care about what AEW does, then why would this be a obvious and overt move on their programming standpoint to do this? Yeah. Absolutely. I believe it. And And here's the other thing that I think is very interesting so the the opening, right? The opening that they have to all the WWE programs where it says something like yesterday, tomorrow, forever, whatever. And they have like Flair and Hogan and Bret Hart and The Rock. You, you've seen it before. Edge was on there. Oh, now Edge isn't on there anymore. And Edge is not anywhere on WWE's website anymore. And I think at the end of the day, I'm not saying you continue to promote the guy. Not saying that. But what I am saying is, come on now. I mean, when you completely erase somebody off of the website, off of the opening montage of everything, we as wrestling fans know he spent the bread and butter of his career in WWE. No doubt about that. But I feel like every single time someone leaves or whatever, they always make these really quick transitions like, oh, this person doesn't even exist anymore. Or we're not going to make reference to this person anymore. And it just seems like it's it's the most fragile ego organization I've ever seen in my life. It's like they don't worry about anybody else because we're top dog, but yet they worry about everybody else. It's uh, it's interesting. So like AEW did when Cody left? As far as? They took him off the opening montage. They don't mention him. He's 
Is he still under what the AEW website? No, but they well they did leave him on the graphic still. That's on television. Yeah, he's not on the graphic on Dynamite. No, 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 no. When you go to like Sling or you go to wherever to do your DVRing, he's still on there. Oh, we don't get Sling, so I don't know. I but my my point though is they're gonna act like he never existed. They still refer to Cody on AEW TV. I guarantee they're not going to refer to Edge anymore. It's it's almost like the person bloop gone. Sorry, who was this person again? It's just crazy. It's like, come on now. We know he's been there for twenty five years. Grow up a little bit. You know, you didn't want him. So now that you you didn't want him, he wanted to stay, but you didn't want him. So now all of a sudden he's basically erased again. That's the thing about that company. So why would you keep advertising him and keep promoting him and keep him? I'm not saying uh, on your programming. I'm not saying when he's promote with somebody him. else. I would not say promote him. I'm not saying that whatsoever. But I mean, if you have a history montage of the legends from your company, you have Flair on there. You have Hogan on there. You have Bret Hart on there. They've all gone different places before. You have a lot of people who are on that. Mon- What's the big deal? It's the history of the WWE. Yeah, but they didn't. They're not currently in different places now. I guarantee at the end of the day. They're gonna they're gonna do that with everybody, and I think it's sad. So you're very bitter, Michael. Well, no, but it's but that's the way the WWE does stuff. It's like you're good enough for them until they don't want you anymore, and they kick you to the curb. And when they kick you to the curb, they no longer make any reference to you ever, and they act like your contributions were no more. It's just like wow, that's interesting, because again. AEW has no problem mentioning other people, right? They have no problem whatsoever. They're not trying to pretend like they're pulling the wool over somebody's eyes. We all know, but they just don't want to say anything. And it's like, huh, interesting. Um, Speaking of the aforementioned Edge, some people were saying that when he made his debut at WrestleDream, his entrance was a little bit different. Now, a lot of people know that um, Alter Bridge is the band that actually creates the song Metalingus, which is his theme song, and it's been his theme song forever. Well, WWE never had the rights to that song. Edge actually uh, was with the band when they created the song, and the band actually said, we will actually contractually allow you to use it, but it's not going to be a WWE thing. Well... The beginning of the song is a WWE product. And if you remember the Butster, it's a voice that says, you think you know me, right? And then all of a sudden, the pyro and, and the music starts. Well, on Sunday night at Wrestle Dream, it was a little bit different. You think you know him. And it had a different voice to it as well. Edge finally went on to social media to explain that there was a re-recording of the initial um, track of the song because it was uh, an intellectual property of WWE and some people actually thought that they recognized what the voice was and Edge confirmed it was Beth Phoenix who actually ended up recording that intro to his new song so when he is on Dynamite Collision Rampage wherever he's at when you hear the song you think you know him and her voice it is his wife Beth Phoenix um I thought I was kind of curious about that too because I thought, wow, that sounds different. But um, it is very interesting piece of news with that. Um, 
I talked about MJF earlier on in the opening of the show. MJF has said that working with Adam Cole has helped him a lot with his um, sensitivity dysphoria. Now, Wrestle Pursuits is reporting that AEW world champion MJF has really opened up about his mental health issues recently. Now, many fans know that Max openly talks about who he is and his religion on AEW television, but he also has mentioned that he has issues with sensitivity and dysphoria and the fact that he is diagnosed with ADHD. MJF explained how working with Adam Cole has actually helped that and how Adam Cole has been a very good influence on him. This is what he says. He says, at working with Adam Cole is really great. Uh, things have really been messing with me. I just can't accept a lot of love. I don't, I know this might sound a little bit messed up, but I've been screwed over for so many times in my life. And because of my rejection sensitivity disorder, I already have my arms up at all times, keeping people away. I'm always the one to leave the room. I think that anybody talking trash about me always constantly, it just continues to live inside my head. Now, how Adam Cole has helped him, he said, and I quote, and I knew I completely let myself be open and I was accepting and people before would have killed me for it, but mentally I just wasn't there. But honestly, my friendship outside the ring with Adam Cole, I really learned a lot as far as being open and being able to be loved. The entire arena was chanting tofu at Jay White. And I heard literally some guy say, Jay, you got this messed up. He was thinking, man, now does everybody hate me? It's kind of insane. It's just how my brain works. I have a hard time accepting fans' acceptance. Um, we're kind of, with this, we're kind of introducing personal life and professional life. And we're, we're being more open about these things. And I think AEW has been open about, obviously, Sunny Kiss. Um, and obviously, uh, Nyla Rose as well, being transgender. And a lot of things that aren't traditionally discussed in other major promotions. Anthony Bowen is openly gay. They've mentioned that on a show before as well. I wonder if an appeal to AEW is that they allow people to really be themselves and not to be so confined to a script. You made an excellent point on last week's show that if MJF had gone somewhere else, that he probably would um, be sat down and talked to about what he can and can't say, and he would really be confined. Do you think, in a lot of ways, being able to be yourself, even if it isn't in WWE, would still be fulfilling for Max? Or do you think there would always be that, yeah, but what if I went? Uh, you're always curious. Like it's always going to be, you know, coulda, shoulda, woulda type thing. If I had gone, what would I have done? What could I have done? Would I have been an all-time legend? So on and so forth. Uh, Max is also very, very smart to the business. He, he knows what will happen. He can't be delusional enough to think, if I go to WWE, I'll be able to get away with with what I'm doing now. Whether it be with some of the stuff he says is pretty, whew, that's not good. You can't say that to somebody. But there's also, when's the last time you seen on WWE somebody come out and discuss their, their personal issues, their mental health issues, their whatever it would be. 
I don't know. I'm not saying that in a, you know, I, I legit don't know. It's a legit question. I don't know. So that's a that's a different aspect to it because there's st- still a certain amount of kayfabe, a very small amount. You know, this is, you know, Roman Reigns, the professional wrestler, not whatever his real name is. I don't remember the person. Right. And WWE does a, a very good job of keeping them two things separate. Right versus AEW will let let them say some stuff, and it's I don't think it's a bad thing to be quite honest with you for him to come out and say, "Listen, I I suffer from some mental health issues," right? Because it, it it normalizes it. You know, it lets other people know, "Hey, yeah, I'm I'm battling some issues too, but I'm not less of a person." For look look at this guy, MJF. He's on TV every Wednesday night. He's a big deal. He's got mental health problems too. I don't think that's a bad thing. No, it, it lends some um, Stigmas. normalcy to it. Like, you know, you're you're not flawed. You're not um, broken. You're not anything like that. You, you just got some problems. It's not, you're not weak. You're not a sissy. You're not, you just you just got some problems, and you're not the only one. And when you see somebody else, somebody successful, and somebody that's a big deal, it's on TV. You know, when you're a wrestling fan, in, in this case, it, it helps. And I think it was probably a good thing, honestly. It's the same thing with with Sunny Kiss and Nyla and um, Bones. I don't think these are bad things. I, I really, really don't think they are at all. Say, hey, we're we're just like you. We're normal people too. Honestly, if anything, it's it's probably a very good thing. Not 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 a bad thing. It's it's a it's a good thing. Listen, we're we're all the same. We're all in this together type of thing. You know, whether you're you're gay or you're transgender or you got mental health issues or you're white or you're black or you're we're Latino still people or whatever. We're all no, you cut me. I still bleed red, just like everybody else. And you know, it's probably what the world needs a little more of that these days as well. So it doesn't hurt. I think it's very, it's very fulfilling for a talent to be able to be more of themselves instead of just a caricature, right? And I think that is why some people may gravitate to AEW because. With a relationship with Tony, Tony believes in the talent themselves. And Tony's even said this. This is why we brought you here, is for you to be you. And obviously, you know, you're not going to want to drop F-bombs or anything like that, which has actually happened on Dynamite before. But they, I think, respect the person. And I think it's a perfect example when they had the CM Punk situation. He still had enough respect for Phil Brooks to do everything he could to bend over backwards, to give him his own television show. I mean, that's a big, big um, leap of faith for someone. 
And I think that's kind of what Tony is. I mean, Tony's the kind of guy, he's like a coach. You know, a lot of athletes say, well, that's the coach I want to play for. And I think Tony's the boss that people would like to have. Now, unfortunately, Tony has his detractions as well. But I, I think one reason why people would like to go to AEW is, oh, my God, I'm not going to be handed a script when I arrive to the arena at noon and I have to memorize lines like I'm in a movie and they want me to do all these different things. I can actually be me. And I think that's that's probably what gets in the way of a lot of success with some people in WWE is because they're so fixated on, did I memorize my lines? Did I do this right? Did I do that right? I mean, it's the only company who every single year has multiple rounds of cuts. And it's also been known that a lot of people walk on eggshells back there because they don't know when their last match or whatever could be, or they could be cut or released or whatever it may be. And there's a lot of high pressure with that, a lot of high pressure. And I just wonder if people be able to be more relaxed and be themselves if it would affect their performance in a positive way, if it would affect their abilities to perform the character role or to perform the match itself better. I think it would, because I think the more pressure you're under, you know, we always say that um, when you crush coal, you put enough pressure and heat, it makes a diamond. But if you don't put enough pressure and and heat on it, you're still crushing it and it's just going to become dust. So you got to think about it in, in two different ways. Um, but yeah, I, I do like the fact that he allows it to be talked about openly. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. In fact, if anything, that's going to make your casual fan be able to relate to another character, right? Oh, absolutely, because they're just like me. Speaking of somebody that AEW has had their eyes on for quite some time, and I feel like this would be a great acquisition and, and keep in mind, every time I say the word acquisition, I know the Butster's going, oh, my God, this is a boat that there's not enough seats for. What are you doing, Freeland? This boat's going to sink. It's too many people. Yep. He's he's right. But, man, there's some talent out there that it's really hard to pass on. And if you pass on them, they're probably going to get gobbled up by somebody else. Uh, Mariah May is one of the hottest commodities in women wrestling right now. She was over in Japan. She was wrestling for a company called Stardom, which, interestingly enough, uh, Mercedes Monet actually competed in as well. Well, she's been over there for a while now, gaining a lot of traction, having some great matches. Uh, many of the wrestling journalists will say that she has grown as a performer, and her matches have increasingly gotten better and better. Well, it ends up that her contract is officially up. She went on social media and said that she has wrestled her last match for Stardom, and she hopes that fans don't forget her and forget the memories she's made. Now, she's also been linked to AEW as well, as the AEW women's roster has definitely needed an injection, um, a little bit of new paint, maybe a new set of tires on it as well, to kind of infuse a little bit more excitement into the vision, because Thunder Rosa is not there, obviously, right now. She hasn't been there for almost a year and a half now, and now you don't have Jamie Hayter still, Britt Baker may be in and out of AEW from what we're hearing, depending on how Adam Cole's rehabilitation goes since they are together. So it's one of those things where you know you got some parts that are missing here. Uh, Tony made a great offer to uh, Jade Cargill, and Jade said, I think I'm worth more money. Tony came back with a counteroffer. She still turned that down. So at that point, she then is gone. So it wasn't, 
I don't think it necessarily was, I don't like AEW, but I think at the end of the day, they threw way more money at her with WWE. And we're going to see how that turns out. I'm not completely sold on this being a perfect match in heaven either. But Mariah May is a big deal. So for all of you can hear my voice, Mariah May, look her up, check it out. She's been a champion. She's been the goddess of stardom wrestling champion for, for a while now. And so many people are talking about her in various wrestling circles within different companies. Don't be surprised if you see her showing up in North America and showing up in AEW. And I'd be very happy to see that as well, because that would be an addition, but it would be an addition to the women's division, which would be fine because the women's division in itself needs a little bit more star power, but they're going to have to explain who the hell she is because they can't just bring her in and be like, Oh, here's Mariah May. Because again, the average fan isn't going to know who the hell Mariah May is. You're going to have to give some backstory to what she's been doing as well. That's my two cents. Are you familiar with Mariah May? I am not. I'm just uh, while you were talking, I was just googling her a little bit. She's still young too. Yeah, Mariah. Or Mariah May years is, old. She's still, yes. And she's from England. What's she going is. on with the, all the England women's wrestlers? Jamie Hayter's from England. She is. Darius from England. Paige, whatever you want to call her. They're very I, good wrestlers. They're very, very good wrestlers. And I think a situation. So England pumps out tremendous wrestlers. Canada pumps out tremendous wrestlers. Japan pumps out tremendous wrestlers. Um, and the United States to some extent as well. But Mariah May, I'm telling you right now, she definitely has the attributes. So if you haven't gotten to see, she really debuted in 2018. Uh, she's only 25 years old right now. Um, she was trained um, by, let's see here, Billy Robinson in his snake pit in Japan as well. And she finally made her debut um, on February 2nd, 2019. She went ahead and she hit the indies for a while in the United Kingdom. And then she obviously ended up going to Rev Pro, where she wrestled at the event called Live at the Cockpit uh, 51 against Giselle Shaw. Um Obviously, Giselle Shaw is in Impact Wrestling currently right now, so kind of a connection there. Rev Pro actually happens to be the home of Will Ospreay as well. Will Ospreay splits his time between Rev Pro and New Japan Pro Wrestling, so she's definitely known in the international community. She's also known very well in the independent wrestling community, but she's never been signed to a North American company, but she's wrestled many people. She's wrestled um, Ami Sakura, um, She's wrestled in Corgan Hall. She's wrestled a lot of different people. Um, she competed in the two-night Cinderella tournament in 2003, picking up again a win against Rena. Um, her time in the tournament would ultimately come to an end um, because of a top-rope elimination by Mia Sakura. So, It'll be interesting to see. It's always nice when somebody that's not really known in the mainstream get a chance because it, it, it's it's a new face like where every time AEW signs a wwe talent we talk about it on air we talk about it not on air it makes my head hurt because you're just bringing in wwe cast-offs basically but here's but the thing when you're bringing somebody like her it's completely different it's not just a try to make a quick grab from somebody who's 
got name value from your competition. You're, so I just let think it would be a better call. Let me let me ask you this question. When we talk about that, because you, you've made a very valid point here, um, and I want to talk about this. When we talk about, do you think that if FWWE doesn't want you and they and they get rid of you, you are a cast off. You are kind of seen as less than important if they let go of you. I want to say you think that's that less perception important. Uh, but I mean, if they if they're getting rid of you, they have no use for you. Well, that just means that they don't, they they might not know how to use you correctly, or that could be. But I mean, if 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 the biggest wrestling promotion in the world is cutting you loose, whether they have nothing for you, they don't know how to use you, whatever it is, it's not a good thing. But I think that might be more of an indictment on them than the talent themselves, not always. We're, we're, we're looking at it from the perspective of this is the greatest brain trust that's been ever put together in wrestling, which I feel like is a fallacy. It's a huge fallacy. You I know, never if, said that, that. I never said that's the case. No, but what I'm what I'm saying, though, is I, I feel like any time WWE cuts somebody, they're looked at as, well, they couldn't cut it there, so they might not be that great. I think people think that way. And my point is I don't think WWE creative is all that great. I think they've hit a few home runs with some stuff. But I think they've really dropped the ball in a lot of other categories as well. And I feel like everyone – like take, take for example, the Roman Reigns situation. Man, they hit gold on that, right? But prior to that, SmackDown wasn't doing huge numbers. Raw wasn't doing huge numbers. So what did they end up doing? They ended up signing Cody Rhodes to come on over. But even right now, I still don't necessarily know if – they're at the levels that they once were. Things cool off. They go in, in waves, but you know, people seem to think Triple H is the best mind in the business. And you, know, you hear that phrase all the time, eh, the best mind in the industry. I, let's kind of temper some of that. Let, let's kind of back off before we start handing the keys to the castle to somebody saying that they're the best at what they do. Um, not saying Tony Khan is because he clearly needs a lot of different people to help it bring him up. But I think... It's the perfect example. If if AEW doesn't sign somebody, but they go to WWE, they're like, oh my gosh, this person's going to be a huge star. WWE knows how to use people. They do know how to develop talent better than AEW does. Currently, they do. I do believe that that is accurate. Unfortunately, it's this, it's this big misconception that WWE somehow has this winning formula. And I think in some ways, they do things better. But I don't by any means think that they have the winning formula that necessarily makes everything so much better across the board. Um, but we'll see. We'll see what happens. I mean, long term. Um, Raw actually has been doing a lot better than SmackDown has recently because, unfortunately, SmackDown was completely reliant on what was going on with the Bloodline story. And if you have nothing else going on, I mean, keep in mind you do have Gunther, which I do have a lot of respect for. I think that's great. But you got to have more than just one person. And that's why I think that they've started to realize we need to look for what's next. And I think I know something that WWE may do. Talking about factions and talking about the bloodline, the next version of the bloodline or their next big hot thing, they've been building this up already. So this is not something that's new. But I think it's Judgment Day. They've got all the titles. 
They have the tag team titles for both Raw and SmackDown. Obviously, they got a championship um, on Dominic now. Um, oh my gosh, I can't believe I'm I'm blanking on his name. His money in the brief, uh, money in the bank briefcase. Um, what is his name? <laughs> Keep trying, Damian um, Priest. Damian Priest, thank you. They got Rhea Ripley. That's going to be the next big thing that ends up going down. I think because I think you're going to have. I still think you're going to have to have Damian Priest be the one who takes the belt off of Roman. I think. I do. For just like an interim. No, I a short term. Well, here's the thing: if they if they do the Rock versus Roman Reigns, they're not going to have Roman win. That they're not going to they're not going to job they're not going to job the Rock out. Now, will it be for the WWE Championship? That may not be, but you're not going to sacrifice the Rock with Roman Reigns, even though the rock is just a guy coming in. That's not the way WWE does stuff. They normally take their part timers and they still put them over, right? John Cena coming in, they're still going to put him over. So I think what's going to end up happening is if they don't do Roman versus um, the rock, and it doesn't have to be for the title. It, it It's irrelevant at that point. They just want to see that match. Then obviously they could do Cody and Roman, which may or may not still have traction. They could do L.A. Knight, but L.A. Knight's not a spring chicken. And I do believe the long-term plan is going to be probably to have a younger guy take the championship. So it would not surprise me if they continued to build him up to take the championship at some point in time. If, if Roman retains against Cody, let's say that happens, which people don't think will happen. I think Roman will actually end up taking the belt. Uh, they'll take the belt off of Roman. And they'll go in a different direction. If Cody doesn't do it, they'll do it with somebody else. Well, you think so? How how much longer can you ride this out as champion? It's been three years now, or four years, or whatever it is. Well, in my opinion, and this is just mine, it's been too long to begin with. Um, I think that this WrestleMania, you got to do something. He's still drawing good ratings, though. Certain segments of the show are doing really well. I think when you look at the bloodline storyline itself, some people say we're still in the third inning. They're not. That's dumb. I, I, I can't say you're in the third inning still because if you're in the third inning, that theoretically, if you extrapolate that out, would mean that there is multiple years. Am I am I correct in that assumption? You're saying there's still multiple years worth of this storyline. And if you get WrestleMania to WrestleMania as a storyline for a year, you're doing really well. But you're not going to end up getting much more out of this. Even if you do something with Solo or you bring in one of the other Inouye brothers, uh, I don't really know how far you're going to go with that. But if Cody doesn't win it, it'll be interesting. Also, think about this. If LA Knight ends up winning the Royal Rumble... Could we end up having an LA Knight versus Cody Rhodes number one contendership or whatever it may be to see who ends up facing Roman Reigns? And then the powers that be decide who is getting more of a reaction from the audience to determine who's going to go against Roman. That's if that's taking into consideration that the rock is out of the equation. But if they they went with LA Knight, I think you'd see a very pissed off Cody Rhodes. Come on. Come on. Yeah. 
I would be. If I was Cody, I'd be livid. And you couldn't but, blame him. Yeah, but you got to also think about it from this perspective. It's business, right? We, we've talked about this before. So just because, hey, this is where our initial plan was, as they say, cards subject to change. Plans are subject to change. They didn't expect LA Knight to all of a sudden swoop in here and get really, really over with the audience. So should you, oh, I'm going to be loyal to Cody because he needs to finish his story. Or are you going to say, okay, what's going to take us from a business perspective to the next level in a long-term portion here? Would it be LA Knight or would it be Cody? So what do you do? Are more people more interested in the yeah guy or more people interested in finishing the story? And I think if Cody doesn't get the belt soon, the whole finishing the story thing is really going to become passe. I think a lot of people are going to be sick and tired of listening about finish the story. And they're going to be willing to move on to another story. It's already teetering on that now. I mean, think about it. We're, we're a well away from WrestleMania. And if this is not something they start focusing on, I would say probably by Christmas, I mean, really focusing on it, then I think that you're going to have a hard time because, again, who do you have win the Royal Rumble then? Because remember, the winner of the Royal Rumble gets a shot at WrestleMania. Cody's not right now in a position to be the number one contender. The person who wins the Royal Rumble is. So that means, oh, if we're going to go with Cody Roman, then Cody's got to win the Royal Rumble two years in a row. You mean people would be pissed off if LA Knight got thrown out of the Royal Rumble by Cody Rhodes? Just have Otis win it. I mean, the guy's funny. I'll give you that. He can wrestle. He's really good. He's you entertaining. Could, that would swerve everyone. Could you imagine? I, I Listen, I think he's got the ability. He's got the charisma. He's got the character. I think he could do very well in anything they put him in. And that's the reason why he is still employed is because he's good at his job at a very high level. That's what I'll say. All right. Anything else that is on your mind about the world of pro wrestling? We've kind of covered some stuff with Impact, AEW, WWE. Um, I, I do want to throw this in here about WWE. Johnny Gorgano returned to Monday Night Raw, which a lot of people are happy to see. And Tommaso Ciampa also was on Monday Night Raw in a main event capacity, and we never would have seen that prior no. um, because they were looked at as small guys when it was under the tutelage of Vince McMahon. But now these two guys looks like they're going to reunite in DIY and see what they can do if they can rekindle that magic they had in NXT back in the black and gold era and see if this still has some legs to it. I remember Johnny Gorgano being super hot in NXT. Tommaso Ciampa, super hot in NXT. But that's been several years. I mean, several years. So I'm, I'm interesting to see. I wonder if Triple H is doing something where he says, okay, it's either shit or get off the pot. Like, here you go. Here's your opportunity. Knock it out of the park, or unfortunately, I can't save you from getting cut the next time. Both of them are so good, though. I'd be shocked. If they if they can't put off some something spectacular, yeah, I don't know, man. They're, they're that good. No, I, I am 100% with you. I have been a fan of both of them for forever and a day, and I remember when there was conversation about Johnny Gorgano leaving WWE because you remember when he had um, he had his last match, I want to say, and everybody came out and gave him a hug and whatnot, and they thought that 
Johnny was gone because Johnny wasn't getting the push. Now, Grant, this was before Vince retired, what, a year ago, July? And he was like, yeah, screw this. I'm never going to get seen as a main guy on the main roster, so I might as well leave. And you remember, he's from Cleveland, and so is Wardlow. And that Wednesday, after he officially became a free agent, people had the the Johnny Wrestling signs out at AEW, and they thought, oh, he's going to sign. But Johnny decided to hold off. He didn't sign with anybody. He sat out and then ended up renegotiating a new contract with WWE. And and I hope he gets a chance to uh, to show the world on a bigger stage what he can do because he and Tommaso have done some great, great things. And I think them as rivals is awesome, but them together as a team, it might even be better. It'll be a lot of fun. At a bare minimum, it's going to be fun. Oh, yeah. You think of the matches that they could have, right? Them versus Sammy and Kevin Owens, right? Versus the Usos. I'll be there. That's that's probably not going to happen. But you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. There are options, right? Them versus the Viking Raiders. However, I think uh, Eric's out right now. Oh, with injury, one of them is yes. Yeah, I believe it's Eric's so, out, but that's a no, bummer. It is, but not them together. That'd be a lot of fun. But no, but about the only thing that I'd bring up is just just to backtrack a little bit, just for a minute. Getting back to the Adam Copeland signing with sure. AW fans. I don't care which side of the equation you're on. Quit being babies. Yeah, he signed. He's gone to AEW. I didn't think it was going to happen. I'm not sure I'm fully invested in. I think he should have stayed in WWE and retired. That's my opinion. You might. You think differently. But you don't got to be babies about it. Like, you know, people bashing him and stuff like that. It's his life. He chose to go this route. This is what he wants. Good on him. I hope he does very well. I hope he puts off great matches. I'm looking forward to watching him. But let's just not be like that. There's enough negativity and 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 hate going around, unfortunately. But let's not start turning on guys like that because he decided to pursue a, a, an opportunity somewhere else. It's unnecessary. Don't, don't be a scumbag. I agree. All right, with that being said, for Christopher Butt, my name is Mike Friel, and it's been real. It's been fun. We'll catch you on the next episode of the Front Row Material Break.